It's a great, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a great privilege to be here, um, especially at this time. I think it's very strategic, and I think that this is a key moment in time for many of you sitting here, so it would be important to pay attention. There's been a common thread right throughout this morning, and if you were listening, you'd hear it. Hopefully by the end of this morning, you would know what that is. It would be like, if I told you now, it would be like showing you the end of the movie before the movie is seen. So I'm not going to do that. What I would like to do is just open up in prayer, if that's okay. Father, I thank you for every single person sitting here. I know that every single person's heart is close to you, that you hold them in the palm of your hand, and that you want nothing more for them but then to walk in everything that your son purchased for them, for them to work as they should in rest. Let them, for them to see the glory of the Lord in their lives every day because they are carriers of you. Father, I thank you that as your word goes forth right now, Holy Spirit, that you seal it up in every heart that no thief will come and steal the word from them. No matter what trial comes, no matter what persecution comes, that they will endure to the end so that they may bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there's some things that we need to understand about the Word of God. God's Word does not fail. If it did, the very fabric of time and space would unravel. So the fact that you still exist, the fact that anything exists, depends on the power of the integrity of God's Word. If God's Word does not carry integrity, then He is a liar. And then everything he said cannot be, because only truth can be. Do you understand that? So I want you to just think with me for a second, okay? If this is true, then why is it that we don't always see the reality of what God's word says? Because this is the question everyone always asks. Why don't we always see what God's word says? It's very simple, actually. Because of your unbelief. You see, if we make it any more complicated than that, then all we are saying is that there's a problem on God's side. That's all we're saying. There's a problem on God's side. That he didn't do what he said he did, and that he's a liar. The Bible says that every man be a liar, and God be true. That's what it boils down to. But I want you to understand, it's one thing to know, okay, I've got unbelief. It's another thing to know how to fix that unbelief. It's another, another thing to know, how does that change? How many of you in this room would like to see that change? So only half of you, like maybe five of you. Can I see hands? Are you in the house of God? Come on, 
Raise your hands if you want to see that change in your life. Okay, that's better. Okay. So you want to see that change in your life. Because see, you can, you can walk around and you can cry about it like a sissy. Oh, I've got unbelief. How horrible. And you can beat yourself up about it. And then what? The next thing's going to come your way and it's going to steal your lunch again. And the next thing's going to come your way and it's going to steal your lunch again. And you could think, well, if I just avoid these situations, maybe they'll leave me alone. I've got news for you. They won't leave you alone. They want to kill you. This is a matter of life and death. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It is. It's a matter of life or death. And just because you think you can avoid the situation, that doesn't mean the situation is not going to come knocking at your door one day. And when it does and you're unprepared, that's not the time to start learning how to fight. Because if you pick up your armor only when the enemy comes knocking at your door, you have a problem. You don't know how to use it. So I want to explain a couple of things that are in the Bible because we think that the minute we get born again, we're supposed to just suddenly be Jesus. And if that was true, then Scripture would not be talking about some things I'm going to show you. So please go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. Now what I'm going to read to you is the identity of God. 1 John says, God is love. This is the message that we preach, that we heard from the beginning, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. The weast goes as far as to say, not even one particle. Okay? So it's not even an atomic size part of darkness in God. God is completely light. That means God is the paradox. Everything that is opposite to him is darkness. So if you want to be darkness, disagree with God. It's about as simple as that. Okay? Darkness exists only because it is in opposition to God. If everything agreed with God, there'd be no darkness. Does it make sense? Do you know there is no such thing as cold? Cold is a word that we use to describe the absence of heat. There is only such a thing as heat. There is actually no such thing as darkness. We just use that to describe the absence of light. Do you know that? So darkness doesn't really exist, which is why it's part of the lie. If I switch the light on in my room, which one wins, darkness or light? Can I switch the darkness on? No, I have to switch the light off. The Bible says that Jesus was that light. He was the life of all men. And the light came into the world, but his own did not receive him. Do you understand that? All right, so let's read this here. One, um, in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 4. Sorry, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love is patient and kind. That's why I loved what my brother said earlier this morning. Patient. The willingness to endure. You know that patience is completely lost? How many of you wake up in the morning and say, oh God, just teach me patience? 
If we had a conference that says, how to be patient, how many people do you think would show up? No, 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 you don't want to pray that. Because <laughs> you know what happens when you pray that, right? Persecution comes as a result of the word. You pray for patience, guess what's going to happen? Patience doesn't come quickly. For a reason. It's meant to teach you to endure. Do you see that? But the character and nature of God is first patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. So love is not about itself. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That is God. Now, what you need to fundamentally get is that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us go and make man in our image and likeness. Which means that you were created to look like God and to be like God from day one. Do you you understand that? You were created to look like God and to be like God. Image stands for to, to, to look like, like a copy of God, okay? And likeness means just like. So you know when someone sees my child and they go, oh, he's just like your wife. What are they saying? He's got the character and nature of my wife. He, he's maybe more gentle or whatever the case may be. I'm just using an example, okay? He isn't, but guess get what I'm saying. He's a, he's a, he has a very silent... Um, position of dominance (laughs) okay so are you you with me so far so if we talk about image and likeness you've got to understand that you look like him and that your character and nature is just like him now to a being that has these attributes that we've just read the opposite of these things would literally be robbing that being of the very life that it has because it's in direct opposition of its character and nature, which is why sin kills you. You see, God is not trying to stop you from having fun. He's trying to stop you from dying. Because sin is like rat poison, 99.9% good food. 1% poison. Rat doesn't know it's eating poison. If it did, it wouldn't eat it. But hey, only rats are that stupid. Isn't it? The Bible says the the wages of sin is. So if you want to stay away from death, what must you stay away from? And you can't stay away from sin by focusing on what not to do. Because then the more you focus on what not to do, the more you end up sinning. Which is why we have to focus on Jesus. Because when we focus on Him, we become like Him. It's simple. 
Like, if you've never heard a plain, simple gospel like this before, be challenged because it's plain and simple. It's not complicated. It's straightforward. All right, so watch this. Love isn't something we are trying to get and reach for, which is the lie that most people have been told. You know, people have social groups to find acceptance. They have families to find acceptance. They have people that they find acceptance in. But most people have friendships purely because they have a need out of that person. And when your relationships are needs-driven, then that person lets you down. They're no longer your friend. Is that love? Yes, I'm going to challenge you this morning. Yes, I am. Because if your relationships are needs-driven, then you're trying to find your identity in other people rather than establishing it in the one and only one you should be establishing it in, Jesus Christ. Your identity is meant to be in Him and in Him alone. You see, as long as you find your acceptance out of other people, when they disappoint you, they can take away from you what they gave you. But if you never, ever needed what they gave you, if you were already accepted, then they could do whatever they want and you could still love them because you don't find your acceptance in them. Does it make sense? That's why God doesn't say, I love you. Do you love me? God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I'm harping on this because that's your character and nature. You're not meant to look for love. You're meant to be love. Now, if that hits home for you right now, man, hold on. Hold on with both hands and don't let go. Because if you just get a hold of that one concept, it will change your life forever. You will never again pray for someone because they hurt you, you will pray because they hurt him. You will never again walk in an offense because love cannot be offended. It doesn't insist on its own way. Love is the better way. Faith can work without love, but it works better through love. This is what Paul's talking about in this chapter. Are you with me? He says, if I can move mountains, if I can do all these things, but I have not love, I'm like a, cl- a clanging cymbal, an empty dong. So it's not just about power. It's about the correct heart operating through into that situation to produce that power. Does that make sense? All right. Go with me, please, to Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 3. So in the same book, we're going to just go backwards a little bit. Now, here in the, end of the ch- in the end of 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking about love, and he's trying to explain to the Corinthians the real core of the issue, because they're making a big deal about spiritual gifts and all these kind of things, but he's making a big deal of the fact that they're still carnal babies. The Corinthian church is not the church you should model your church after. Please do not do that. The Corinthian church is not an example of how you should have church. They were sinning worse than the world. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, 
as infants in Christ, or some of your translations will say as babes. So what is he establishing here? He's establishing the fact that a person can be redeemed, but still an infant. Do you see that? A person can be redeemed, but still a child. Okay? Now this is important because if, from what I said earlier on, we think when we get saved, we're just suddenly going to be like Jesus. But clearly here, Paul's saying, you guys are carnal. You're babies. But is he saying they're not born again? Is he saying they don't have the Spirit of Christ? Okay, so he's not saying that. Then he's, and he adds this. He says, And even now you are not ready, for you are all still of the flesh. And what she tells him why they're still in the flesh. He says, For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving like mere men? Now you know when you say, Well, but I'm only human. Stop it. You are disconnecting yourself from God. Do not separate what God has put together. Paul is using this as an insult, not a compliment. And jealousy and strife, if it is ripe in your life, get rid of it. Put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. Do not live in that place. Get out of carnal thinking. How do you get out of carnal thinking? Wouldn't that be good to know how to get out of carnal thinking? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test the will of God. What is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God? Isn't that right? But you know what verse 1 says? Verse 1 says, Brothers, I plead with you before God and Jesus. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before God. This is the least you can do. Least. This is the least you can do. Why? Because he saved you from damnation. Does the Bible say, that Jesus, even though he found himself to be in form just like God, did not count equality with God something to be gained. Does it say that? Then he says, no, that doesn't mean Jesus wasn't just like God. Jesus was God, and he is God, okay? But even though he is God, all right, even though he is God, he took on sinful flesh, laid down everything, and became obedient even to death on a cross, why? Why did he do that? Because he was love. Because he wasn't seeking his own. He was seeking for you. He was seeking the benefit for you. Doesn't it say for the joy set before him, he endured the cross? Who do you think the joy was? Okay. I want you to, I'm giving you these concepts because as we go through this, you're going to start to see things in a different light. Okay? You're going to start to see that the gospel is not about what man can gain. It's about the glory of God. And when you make it about you, then you will miss the point. Because you will not be manifesting the character and nature you were created to manifest in the first place. You will be selfish at your core instead of being selfless. Can I ask, I know I've asked some people this, 
But if you know the answer already, put down your hand, okay? How many of you know what the opposite of love is? Somebody. What's the opposite of love? Good girl. You see, most people will say hate is the opposite of love. Would you agree? But you see, God must hate evil in order to love good. So how can hate be the opposite of love? The opposite of love is selfishness. If you hate for a selfish reason, it's wrong. If you hate someone because of what they do to you, guess what? That's wrong. That's sin. But if you hate what's being done to someone else, that's called compassion. Are you guys with me? Every emotion you have is from God. But the devil is very good at perverting your emotions and getting you to fulfill it in such a way that it all becomes about you. The devil is convinced that you love your life more than you do God. And Revelation says clearly, and you've heard this quoted, this is how they overcame him, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And everyone stops right there. But the whole verse says, and they loved not their lives even unto death. They were willing to lay it down. Why? Because they knew they could not die. They would live forever. Whether they fell asleep and, was, and were resurrected or whether they continued to live, they would live forever. Because God is not a God of the dead. He's a God of the living. Do you understand that? Because they understood that right now, these people, where they were at, they could not actually accept what God was doing. They were ignorant of the love of God. And the only way for those people to know the love of God would be for me to lay down my life, just like Jesus did. That's called self-sacrifice. Jesus said, no greater love than this has a man, that he would lay his life down for his friends. How much greater for his enemy? Are you, are you guys with me? I know I've got your attention, I understand that, but I want you to follow me. Because how do you love the man who cut your daughter in half when you were being persecuted yesterday, when he gets saved the next day? How do you do that? How can you love that person? Don't worry about them, they just got to be somewhere. How do you do that? How many of you would love the guy who came into your house, stole everything in your house and raped your wife and then got saved the next day? How many would, lo would love that person? Or should we just make it more real? How many of you would love that person? You see, the only reason you don't is because you don't know how much you've been loved. You don't know that you actually have the character and nature of love. Now, I'm not saying what that person does is right. Obviously, it's wrong. But we are not subject to these things in, in this world. We are bigger and greater than this. We are in Him. There is no end to us. There is no end to us at all. We are eternal. We are. You need to know you are an eternal being. And you know what? People who die without God, they are eternally dead. You can either be eternally alive or eternally dead. It's up to you. Who wants eternal existence separated from God? That's not good. 
Because that's in darkness. Because God is the only light that there is. Are you following me so far? All right. Right, we've gone through this one. I want you to go to Galatians 3 for me, please. Verse 15. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew or Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Are you an heir? Do you, do you hear what this is saying? It says that you are an heir according to the promise if you put your trust in Jesus. Okay? Now the next chapter. I mean that an heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. So once again, Paul is making reference to the state of maturity of the believer. Do you see that? He's making reference to a child. And he's saying that if you are a child, you won't know whether, what you have. Okay, watch what he says further on here. He says, Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son then into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. So you're no longer a slave. But if you're a child, you'll act like a slave, even though you're a son. Do you see that? So how many of you believe you are a son of God? That you have been born from above? Only 10 of you. Okay. We will get the rest of you saved. It's easy. Don't worry. It's not complicated. All right. So if you are a son of God, okay, then you are an heir according to this whole thing that I've read to you. But you can stay in a state of immaturity. You can stay in a state of an unrenewed mind. What is this saying? This is saying that your heart and your spirit has been made brand new, but your mind has to play catch up. So it's not about your mind getting information and it becoming heart knowledge. It's about what's in you lining up with what you know so that you will release it. Imagine two patterns. A horizontal pattern and a vertical pattern. If the two intersect one another, there will be what we call a diffusal pattern or a pattern where there's interference. Are you with me? Now, what you want to do is you want to line those two patterns up so that the one that's going horizontal becomes the one that's vertical. And as you line that up, you will allow what is inside to flow out. And the access point between the spirit and the flesh is the soul. So unless the soul is renewed, which is the mind, because the mind consists of the will and the emotions, and it's in the soul. The mind of the soul is not misdirected. You will go in the direction that you've made up your mind about, and your mind is more than just your thinking process. Are you with me? 
which is why mind renewal is more than just memory of scripture mind renewal is making up your mind that you choose to believe that this is true and then you put it into practice in your life are you with me if i'm getting if i'm going too fast get the audio Okay? Seriously, you need, to, you need to understand this. The Spirit cannot get out without your soul lining up so that it can come through your flesh. Okay? Are you with me? Now, how many of you experience the presence of God when you're worshiping or when you're praising God? How many of you? Only a couple of you. Well, we should stop doing praise and worship. It's no good. Seriously, so you all experience the presence of God. Okay. You do that because you become aware of him being there already he doesn't come into the room he is with you you ignore him and then you become aware of him but he's always there otherwise jesus would be lying when he said i'll never leave you nor will i forsake you even until the end of the age either he's a liar or you are i think he is not a liar okay are you with me so you become aware of the presence of God. You know how people say they have an angelic visitation? They didn't have angelic visitations. They have angelic awareness. The angels are there all the time. They're here right now. They don't come from heaven. Heaven and earth collide. Anyway, we'll get into that another time. The point I'm trying to make is that there's no separation between us and the spirit realm because it's the spirit that gives life if the body without the spirit is dead but the spirit is still alive then it's the spiritual realm that gives life to the physical realm and if there is a deception or a lie in that area what will happen is death will reign because there's an absence of the spiritual life that's meant to be there does it make sense okay that was just for free so nothing to do with what i was going to say thank you jesus Okay, so let's get back on track here. What I want you to understand is that there's this growth process, all right? And Paul was addressing this very thing. And if you can understand this, then you will understand one thing. Just like a child, when a baby is born, you don't feed a baby steaks. It cannot eat a steak. You, it, will, it will suffocate and die. You'll kill it, all right? You feed it milk, right? You give it milk. You give it the sustenance that it is. The Word of God says that the milk of the Word is the basic oracles and principles of God. And that the meat of the Word is to do the will of the Father and the one whom he was sent by Him. That is in John 4. Go and see what Jesus says about what meat is. Okay? He says, this is my meat, to do the will of my Father who sent me. Alright? And if that was His meat, then that's your meat. Which means, meat is to do the will of God... And the milk is to hear or receive or read the Word of God. It's the sustenance that gets you going. Now, if you do not shift from milk over to meat at some point in your life, guess what will happen? You will stay an infant. If you do not take the Word and put it into practice, okay, you will stay a baby. How many of you have been Christians for a very, very long time and still haven't seen the power of God in your life? Because you haven't been putting the Word into practice. And in James, it says, a man who hears the word and does not do it is a man who is self-deceived. I'm going to set you free from self-deception. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free. 
Stop being self-deceived. Do the word. Okay? If it, if it says there, go and lay hands on the sick, go and lay hands on the sick. If it says, go and raise the dead, go and raise the dead. Your job is to be obedient no matter what the outcome. That's your job. Be obedient. And I promise you, if you are obedient more regularly than you are right now, you will see a greater measure of success in those areas because it's about growing up. Do you see that? Unless you exercise the muscle, it will not get stronger. We over-spiritualize spiritual things. We make it airy and fairy and fluffy. It's not airy, fairy, and fluffy. It's basic. It's the same as your own physical development. You would think me crazy to run the marathon that we have in this country without any training. Wouldn't you? Do I have every muscle in my body that I need to run that race? Can I do it? But will I fail? Without exercise, I will fail. I promise you now. But I've got everything I need. Isn't that right? Okay, go with me to 1 Peter 2. I mean, sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. You guys getting something out of this? Oh, Jesus, thank you. This is awesome. 1 Peter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Peter 1. Sorry, my bad. 2 Peter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you got that equal standing of faith? Have you? Have you? Did you read it? To those who have obtained an equal standing of faith through God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Have you been saved? Okay, well, if you've been saved, then you've got this standing. So he's talking to who? Sorry, only some of you, obviously. Are you guys out there? Is he talking to you? Okay, listen, I'm a very interactive guy, okay? I am. The reason for that is because I want you to get it. Because you can fall asleep in services. And you can go home and make a turkey and have some potatoes and forget completely what anyone said today. And I will not let you get away with it. Holy Spirit will hunt you down. You will hear my voice echo in your head every day. Until you do the word. I have faith for it. Right, so watch this. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. His divine power, this is God's power, has granted to us, all of us that have the equal standing of faith. Is that correct? All things. Say all. 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 All things. What does it mean? Does it mean some things? Does it mean occasionally all things? Every now and again all things. Does it mean that? Now, I checked this word out in the Hebrew, but it wasn't there. So I went to the Greek. And it still means all. See? Still all. Because it's always true that it's all. Okay? Watch this. All things that pertain to life and godliness, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us, so who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great 
promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Does it say that you have all things? But here's the problem. You don't know what all things are. Does it say you have all things? Do you, ha- do you know what all things are? You see this here. It's a really cool device. It's called an iPad. Okay? Now, on this iPad, you can download many different applications. The iPad has the ability to run various types of, of software because of its hardware set. Okay? Now, if this is too technical for you, let me put it in plain English. Because of what it has physically, it can run something that is being created for it. Does that make sense? All right. So what it means is it has the, the ability to run a whole lot more programs than I get with it when I first buy it. And I get that from this huge place called App Store. And I can make it do all kinds of things, but if I don't know that the app is there, I can't go download it, I can't use it, it cannot do that. Are you with me? So we can only do what I have given it to do. Are you with me? Now, your soul works the same way. Your soul has got the ability to do certain things. But from the day you were born, you were trained into what we call sense knowledge. The five senses, what you see, taste, touch, feel, and smell. Smells good. Okay? So this sense knowledge, the wisdom of it, the the information that comes through it, everything is what's trained you. Your soul has been trained by it. And so you've been trained that if you're you're wanting to walk a certain distance, you need to judge that distance. And so your whole mentality is based on the physical world that you're in. Okay? So how do you operate in the physical world? If you see it, you believe it. But what we discovered is that there are many things that we do not see that do exist even though we don't see them. Like atoms or cells. Do you see your cells? Can you see them? You can see what they make up, but you can't see them. Isn't that right? So the reality is that actually the reality we see isn't always the complete reality. There is a greater reality behind that reality that we see. Are you with me? Okay. So that means that our sense knowledge is limited. It's like the, it's like the knowledge of an animal. Because it only goes on instinct. What it sees, what it needs. To survive. You are not an animal. Despite what scientists have tried to tell you, they still cannot put you in the same category because it just isn't possible. There is a big difference between a human and an animal. Big, huge difference. Okay? About as much difference as there is between a banana and a goat. Anyway, so, <laughs> so are, are you with me? There was a joke, you know? At least some people got it. <laughs> Okay, so the reality here is that just because you have been given all things, remember Galatians, a child, even though he's an heir, will act like a slave, even though he's Lord of everything. So even though you've been given all things, even if I downloaded every app from the app store onto this iPad, you would still need to go and explore everyone to find out what it can do. Which is why the Bible is not a book that you use to try and please God. 
It's a book that instructs you on what has been downloaded into your soul, into your spirit in a second when you put your trust in Jesus. That is why your walk is an outworking of a reality that has already been established, which is why you are saved and being saved. Does it make sense? Guys, this is like pure as mother's milk. It's awesome. (laughs) Was that a bad analogy? Sorry. (laughs) But let's do the meat. So many people have have had so much meat and milk that they've gotten fat. (laughs) And they don't do the meat anymore. Okay, so let's, let's, let's grow. Let's grow up. Let's grow up. If a person wants to train for a marathon, they start, and they start doing a bit of a walk, and then they start doing a bit of a jog, and then they start doing a bit of a run, and then they start pushing themselves more and more. They don't get up one morning and say, that's it, I'm going to run the marathon. And then, you know, they do a, a, do a K and collapse because they've got no ability to go further. You know what I mean? Why do we put that on spiritual things? Well, because God is supposed to supernaturally empower you to do this. Well, he did. You couldn't even do any of it without him. He did. It's by his grace. But you need to work it. You need to work the works of him who sent you. If you really want to be just like Jesus, you've got to work the works of him who sent you. You've got to realize that he sent you. Did he send you into this world to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor? Do you understand that? If you want to fully identify with Jesus, you have to fully identify with Jesus. You can't identify with Jesus when it suits you. Jesus, did not, Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And Johan understands that very well. The culture of honor. We did not come to be served, but to serve. That's why we are God's sons, we are man's servants, and we are the devil's master. We're not here to serve the devil. I can tell you that. He's a punk. He's not worth talking about. Okay. Now, go with me, please, to Ephesians. Because I want to show you what's meant to happen in the body of Christ. And what Paul believed should happen. Because this is Paul writing to the Ephesian church, which is a better model church to follow if you're going to follow a church. Okay? He says, and it was so funny, you guys actually read out of Ephesians um, this morning, and I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> okay. In saying he ascended, that's verse 9, by the way. It's Ephesians 4, verse 9. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So who gave these? Him. Who is him? Jesus gave these. Okay? Because he is the one who, did, who fills all things. Jesus. Okay? So he gave these. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Now, these are called either the fivefold or the fourfold ministry, whichever one you're comfortable with. I really don't care. Call it whatever you want. At the end of the day, these are the gifts that Jesus gave us. All right? Now, what is the purpose of these gifts? What are they here for? 
right after the comma, it says to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, unfortunately, guys, we live in a backwards church. Instead of the, the gifts equipping the saints for the work of ministry, we make the gifts do the work of ministry and we watch. And then everyone wonders why Christians are immature. These guys are meant to equip you. Watch, let's read on. Let's read on. For, this is why they should equip you for the, for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. So there's a growing up here. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So there's a growing up here. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceit, deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So, hold on. I shared with you about love. You see that? It's, so, what are these gifts meant to do ultimately? They are meant to form Christ in you so that you may fully manifest the character and nature of love. They're not meant to be a show on a Sunday that you pay them for. You see, as long as we make it about the super people, the super apostles, the super men, whatever, as long as we make it about those guys who carry the anointing of God, you have an anointing that abides. Every one of you, the same anointing. Are you a Christian? Then you are an anointed one. That's what it means. You have an identity. You are anointed a son of the living God. You don't need anything more than that. Your highest calling is a saint. Everything else is a gift meant to inspire the body of Christ so that it may grow to a new level, so that it could grow up into the fullness of Him and love could be fully developed in you. Do you see that? You need to see that. Because as long as you're looking at the man of God for your answers, you are in an old covenant mindset. You think that that guy is Moses. And you're running to Moses. Moses, give me a word from God. God wants a relationship with you. That's why he purchased right standing so you could have a relationship with him. A street on which you could communicate without feeling shame and condemnation because it's been dealt with. Do you understand that? If we didn't make it about the so-called man of God, when the man of God failed, someone would be there to help him because we're all men of God and women of God. Do you understand that? We would be able to help one another and the world would finally see that they love one another as Christ loved them. This is so, so, so solid. Holy Spirit has wrapped this up so tight, you are never going to get away from it. 
I promise you. We're going to close with this. And we're going to pray for the sick today. And I don't have to teach on healing to get the sick healed because I am healing. He lives in me. Where I go, he goes. Who I touch, he touches. And the only time I see failure is to the degree that I separate myself from him. And for that, I'm sorry. But it happens to all of us. And we must stop doing it. Isn't it? There's no point in just walking around moping about it. A moper never grows. But someone who takes responsibility will. Now, I've got a little story I want to share at the end of this. And hopefully, at, at that point, you'll understand where I'm coming from completely. Okay? So let's just read this quickly. We're going to go to Colossians. Colossians 1. This is a Bible study, people. It's good. You're probably getting more Bible than you've had in your whole life. Jesus, it's awesome. Okay. Jesus loves you, man. Seriously. It's okay. It's going to be good. Thank you. Colossians 1 verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is Paul's prayer. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church, the head of you. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in your mind, in evil doing of your deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, I, Mark, became a minister. What is he saying? He wants to present you mature before the Lord. See, this, guys, is about growing up. You see, the scripture is full of it. 
I did not read one little verse here and made a whole doctrine out of this thing. It is all over the New Testament. This is about growing up, about exercising those things that God has put in us. Even in Galatians, where Paul addresses them and says, you have need that once again you be taught even though you should be teachers. You have need for milk again and not for meat. For meat is for those who through practice discern between good and evil. Do you see that? This is a radical thing. And I give it as an exhortation and an encouragement to the body of Christ. Let us no longer be self-deceived. Let us get up and make a change, even if it is laying hands on the person in the office, even if it's just sharing good news with the person you walk by that you're never going to see again. Is it really going to cost you that much to offer your reasonable service, your body as a living sacrifice for our King? Without the sacrifice, verse 2 doesn't work. Verse 2 will not work. Romans 12 verse 2 will not work without Romans 2 verse 1. You must present your body a living sacrifice. Otherwise you will not renew your mind. You will read and you will read and you will read and you will be like a cloud that promises rain that never delivers. And you will have a knowledge without the power. And you will have a godliness that denies God's power. You don't want that. Are you with me? How many of you do want that? I didn't think so. (laughs) How many of you do want the power of God to increase in your life? Okay. All right. So if you want that, this is how you do it. You renew your mind by taking the Word of God and putting it into practice. Simple. It's not about getting another anointing. It's not about running after another mantle. It's not about trying to get some super guy to touch you so that your life will be changed forever it's not about that you will run aground if you keep running from conference to conference trying to find something that god has already given you it's like a dog chasing his own tail you're not trying to become supernatural you are supernatural otherwise what do you call a bag of dirt that god breathed into and it became a man a natural process it's not natural It's supernatural. You are supernatural. We need a church. We need to get out of this realm of living in the carnal. And we need to live in the supernatural constantly because we are supernatural people. We expect supernatural things to happen. We expect surprises. We expect food to multiply. We expect millions of people just to get healed because you walk into the room. We expect that stuff. But you'll never get there if you don't start laying hands on the guy that you just walked past that you know needs prayer. Be faithful with the little and then what will happen? It will increase. Are you with me? Okay, now, the biggest question is the question of failure. Because everyone says, okay, but what if I fail? Then what? Well, I'm going to give you a little story. and Hopefully it's going to help you understand something about failure. Because at the end of the day, this means nothing when failure stops you. When failure stops you, the devil's won and he's pacified you. A passive Christian is a dead Christian. He doesn't care if you sit in that chair all your life and show up at the same church over and over again and say, Jesus, I love you, and your lips are close to him, but your heart is far away from him. He doesn't care. 
keep going. It was a system made by him to keep you trapped. Okay? Now, imagine you're walking on the beach. And there is a lifeguard. And there's a swimming area, right? People are swimming in the sea. And your son or your daughter is swimming in the sea. And you're standing on the shore watching them. And a tide or or a current or something comes in and just pulls them out into deep sea. And you see it. And you're like, wait a minute, we need to do something. Right? How many of you would want to do something? How many of you would be able to do something at that point in time if it was quite deep? You would be struggling, right? So you could run into the water and you could swim. But who should really be ready to run into the water and swim? The lifeguard, the lifesaver. That's right, the lifesaver. So the lifesaver, to the best of his ability, has been trained to try and rescue people. But there's even limits to his training. There's even stages to his training. But he's more prepared than you would be. So since it's his job, you're going to look to him and say, come on, get out there. Now imagine he does this. Imagine he stands up, takes his binoculars, looks, and then sits down again. What would you want to do? You would not be happy. I would not be happy. I would say, hey, what are you doing? And he turned to me and he said, look, I'm experienced in this. I can tell you now, I won't make it out there. She's dead. He's dead. What are you thinking? Why didn't you just get in the water and go for it? Why don't you just try? You never know what's going to happen, isn't it? That's what you would be thinking. Am I right? So would you prefer this lifeguard to try, even if he failed? Then not try at all? Okay. All right, good. So he doesn't do that and your, and, your, and your daughter or son dies. And so you're very angry. I would probably take legal action against a person like that. But now let's just change the scenario. That same lifeguard, he sees it and he knows it's far out. He knows he's never swum that far out before. He's never saved anyone there before. But he knows it's his job to do it. So he, at, a, at a heartbeat, he drops everything. He swims out there. He barely gets there. Already by this time, your child's under the water So he dives around for about 15 minutes looking for them, finally finds them, pulls them up, just barely makes it to the shore. They try and do CPR, nothing works, it's over. What do you think of that lifeguard? But your child's dead. But what do you think of him? You see, he did what he could. He did what he could with what he had. At least he did something. Then there's a lifeguard who's swum out that way plenty of times, who's trained for that particular occasion, who has maybe seen three or four people die or four people die on him because he wasn't ready enough to swim out there. And so he began to train himself for that situation so that he could be more prepared the next time it happened. And he's the one who actually brings your child back. Now that's the one you really want to know when your child's drowning out there. Right. But I can tell you now, I'd rather take the second and third one than the first one. Who would you want to be? We'd all want to be the third one, right? But you know what? In your process of growth, you might have to be the second one sometimes. But don't let the enemy stop you. Do you understand? Because the Jewish understanding of success is not about getting it right every time. 
It's about carrying on regardless until you get it right. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. And obedience will lead to success. Do not come under condemnation. It is a weapon of the enemy to pacifize the church. You're a son. I never got angry when my son took his first step and fell down. I celebrated it. And I encouraged him to take another one. Do you understand? I hope that this hits home because this is the best way I've learned to understand this. And it is the way my heart stays safe because I'm able to keep going with what God wants me to do regardless of the realities that I face sometimes. And I know it's my responsibility. I take responsibility. And you can say, oh, that's, that's too bad, Mark. Don't do that. I will take responsibility. I will rather you have you blame me for a failure than my father. My father is not weak and he has not failed you, ever. Man has failed you in his weakness. God has not failed you, ever. If you, have a, if you have any kind of theology that teaches you that God is a failure, then you should get out of Christianity and become an atheist today. You don't deserve to believe in Jesus. Give it up. You're wasting your time. You're in dead religion. Do you understand me? My father is good. And his mercies are new every morning. And he's slow to anger. And he's compassionate. And he loves everyone one of you and if the church could represent Jesus properly we would see the fullness of Christ made manifest on this earth and until that day the gospel will be preached throughout all the earth and then the end will come so let's rise up let's stop making excuses let's do it are you with me is Jesus king Can we give him a hand? Jesus! Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you. You are good. And your mercies endure forever. We celebrate everything you've done for us, Father. We thank you. Because without you, we would be nothing, but you chose to redeem us and make us part of you. We have nothing without you, but everything with you. You are an amazing God. And your name will be exalted throughout all the earth. And the glory of the Lord will be made known and manifested through the sons of God wherever they are. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Because this is the way it will be. And no other way. The gates of hell will not prevail. We have the victory. In Jesus' name. 